Hacks is back for season three, and so is the official Hacks podcast. In each episode, Hacks creators Lucia Agnello, Paul W. Downs, and Jen Statsky speak with cast and crew members to unpack the Emmy-winning comedy series. You'll hear Hannah Einbinder and Gene Smart speak to their on-screen dynamic, along with stories from the show's writer's room, on-set antics, and creating the world that Deborah and Ava inhabit. Watch Hacks, streaming exclusively on Max, and listen to the official Hacks podcast on Max or wherever you get your podcasts. Experts claim there is nothing tougher than a diamond. But at Diamonds Direct, we beg to differ. Have you ever met a mother? Strong, radiant, timeless. This Mother's Day, give her the gift that meets her match. With diamond jewelry starting at $200, plus Diamonds Direct's exceptional quality and unbeatable everyday price, you're sure to give her a gift that wows this generation and the next to come. Experience the thrill of jewelry shopping done right at Diamonds Direct. Diamonds Direct. Your love, our passion. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with a king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. Hi, I'm Vanessa Bayer, and this is my brother, Jonah. We're two siblings who love to talk about our childhood and nostalgia and how it shaped us into the people we are today. We're very nice, if I do say so myself. Welcome to How Did We Get Weird. So, Jonah, did you want to talk today a little bit about using this podcast to have people on that we want to be friends with? <laughs> yeah. One of the cool things about having a podcast is you can ask people to come on who you secretly really want to be friends with. I <laughs> hope this isn't too embarrassing for our guest today, but I'm just such a huge fan of, of his work, his music, just as an artist. And so I was like, oh, we should ask this person to be in the podcast. They probably won't want to do it, but we should just ask. And then it worked out. It can be a good medium to sort of get to know people, but also secretly try to make friends. Does that Have you ever done that, Vanessa? Oh, all the time. I mean, I feel like when we did our web series, Sound Advice, we would have people on. We It actually worked with Jenny Lewis. I got to become friends with her. When people used to be guests on SNL, a lot of times the women that would come on that I felt like were sort of like, I could see myself in them, but they were just like a lot more together and cool than me. I would hard try and become best friends with them. I'll give examples. Scarlett Johansson, Anne Hathaway, Emma Stone. I would just like really be like, I got to become best friends with this person and it's the last thing I do. So (laughs) totally get it and excited that maybe this will potentially happen today. Should we introduce our guests who you, not to make things awkward, want to become best friends with? (laughs) Yeah, it's always good if you want to become friends with someone to start out talking about how you want to be friends with them. Yeah, that's always a cool move. Our guest today, songwriter musician who started on the Drive-By Truckers, now is a very successful solo artist. 
his latest album with his band, The 400 Unit, Weather Veins, comes out on June 9th. Let's give it up for Jason Isbell. Hey, Jason. Hey there. I'm a little offended that you guys are lying and telling people we didn't grow up together, but I guess it works better for a podcast to try to act like we're just yeah, going to be act like friends that. Yeah, yeah. Well, because yeah. we got rid of our accents, even though we grew up uh, in the yeah. same part of town. It's a hell of a way to get out of the money that you guys owe me. It's just to <laughs> pretend we've never met before. Yeah, we don't know this guy, but really want to get to know him. Yeah. We want to be his friend. We don't owe him money. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Don't owe any money. It's very good to meet you both. Thank you for having me. I would like to be your friend. I think we could pull it off. Oh, thank you, Jason. That's so nice. Yeah. Let's just get it out of the way. Let's just yeah. get it out of the way. Yeah. So we can enjoy it. <laughs> it's supposed to be a loose conversation. <laughs> yeah. This podcast. They told me. Yeah. I prepped Jason. Let him know. <laughs> yeah. We've tried to be friends with cool people before, as we were talking about. But also, you know, we talk a lot on here about how our cousin, kind of through marriage, is Ricky Rackman, who used to be the mm-hmm. host of Headbangers Ball. And we text him a lot. Like, we really want to be best friends with him. And he usually responds, but he's like, it doesn't seem like he's as excited about being friends with us as we are with him. I mean, mm-hmm. we're relatives, so it's like kind of like we're bonded forever anyway. So we'll kind of like test that out on you maybe, where we'll sort of like send you a text and kind of see, you know, what <laughs> oh my kind God. of feels. I, I'm sorry to do this, but I have two brief stories that I have to tell you. Let's hear it. The first one, we were playing the Roskilde Festival in Denmark years ago, and my sound guy and I were standing right outside the entrance to the backstage area, and we are friends. I love my sound engineer, Kane. He's been with me for over a decade. He drove the van. He's been there this whole time, and we're standing there talking about life, and Phil Anselmo from Pantera is in the area and he's in the little dressing room area with everyone and it's two o'clock in the afternoon and he's crying. (gasps) And at first you think, yeah, something's wrong, but no, it's just Phil Anselmo is crying because he's just very fucked up and he's Phil Anselmo. And so he's in front of everybody and he's holding a potted plant and he's carrying the potted plant around and he's crying and he's talking to the potted plant. And finally his handlers explain to him that he has to go on stage and go play. And this is, you know, middle of the day, broad daylight. And Phil Anselmo walks past me and my sound guy, Kane, and he looks at us. And the only thing he says to us, which is the only thing he's ever said to us, is quit being friends. And then he sets his (laughs) potted plant down and he gets in the van and he goes and he plays his Phil Anselmo show. My point there is true metalheads don't have friends. That is antithetical (laughs) to the real metal ethos. So maybe your cousin is a real metalhead. And he's like, no, it's not part of the deal. Yeah, I had another one too, but I don't remember it. Maybe it'll come back. But yeah, Phil Anselmo said, quit being friends. And he said it in Phil Anselmo voice, like, quit being friends, which is like the most (laughs) metal thing you could possibly say ever to anybody. Yeah, My friends do a podcast and they describe his voice as high school bully voice. And I think (laughs) that's pretty accurate. Yeah, Yeah, it's cartoonish. It is cartoonish. Yeah. Wow, that's... A lot. Yeah. <laughs> Jason, were you into metal as like a kid at all? Because I get the sense sort of you're not in that scene now, obviously, but I get the sense that you were maybe influenced by some of that when you were younger. I don't know. Is that a true? Little bit. Yeah. 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 Just as a guitar nerd, you know, but I liked uh, speed metal, not very aggressive metal. I liked like Racer X and Jason Becker and stuff. 
you know, yep. really fast, really technical, not really about beating people up or anything, just more okay. about like classical style metal. Now I like Annihilator. I like the great Canadian thrash bands. It's very Canadian. So they're like too polite to be like, <laughs> they're like, we have to really sing guys if we're going to be in a band. So it's very fast and very intense, but it's also palatable. Yeah. Got it. Got it. Got it. Sometimes I find like, even just from talking to you right now and from knowing Jonah since we were little, it sounds like a lot of people who are into metal and play metal or play any kind of music that's, I don't mean this as an insult to either of you, okay? Aggressive in any way are actually oftentimes sweeties. It's so awesome. Yeah, I love it. It's so great because it's like, and I was talking to someone about, it's like you are able to get any kind of emotional stuff. I don't know if this is why I'm asking, I guess. It's because you're able to get that stuff out through the music, but it's so great how it's just like kind of a bunch of sweeties. Yeah, I think you're right. True metalheads are super sweethearts. Like, have you ever heard Kurt Hammett talk? Have you ever, like, yeah. Oh my God. It's just like, oh, hey, how are you? It's, <laughs> I know. You no, know, it's so, it's so sweet. Yeah, it's kind. I know. Jason, did you see that some kind of monster, that documentary? Yeah. Yeah, that was a good one. That was intense. Yeah. I actually had a meeting with Phil Toll, the therapist in that documentary, because I went to school. I got a master's degree in clinical mental health counseling. I work in community mental health now, and I want to work with bands eventually, and he was very nice. What a job. What a difficult gig that guy had. Yeah. Wrangling all those cats, you know? Yeah. We're actually, we're we're really good friends with Jason Newstead. He likes our kind of music and got to be really good buddies with our bass player and gave him one of his Metallica basses and comes to all of our shows in Florida. Wow. And, and Jason Newstead paints these beautiful paintings now and, and has art really? shows and stuff. Yeah. It's, he sings like Americana music in coffee shops and paints beautiful artworks. And, and he's a big sweetie. That's incredible. Wow. But he's still pretty metal though. Like... It's funny because like if you go to dinner with him, like he'll get his plate and he'll be like, this is the most fucking awesome steak I've ever seen in my life. You know, and he's like, oh. really good impression. Ooh. And then he like takes a, he like has to take a minute to be like, sorry, guys, I just kind of got metal. You know, I started, <laughs> I started watching some kind of monster. I haven't finished it, but I was really kind of on board. Like I was really like, good for these guys for figuring out. But then Jonah and I did this episode of our podcast where we talked about the music video for Unforgiven and it really kind of turned me on them because I remembered watching it as a kid and absolutely hating it. I don't mean to be disrespectful. I know it seems like you know them and I don't mean to, you know. But no, you got, can disrespect Metallica. This is a safe space for disrespecting Metallica. But it really was such a bummer, that video. And I just was like... Why? Why we, you know, but I also would be interested. There are a lot of logic questions about that guy just staying in that one space his whole life that I would have. Jonah had some too. Jonah's specific question was, how does he eat? Oh, that's good. Yeah. And then you have the follow up, of course. Yes. Which Jonah was like, well, you could do that. We, you know, you don't need to, yeah. you know, but could you? I mean, the space, space would become an issue. Yeah. It would become an issue. It would become, that would become a, its own health issue. Yeah. yeah. You know, I don't remember, I remember that video being dark and creepy, but I don't remember anything else about it, really. So I would probably have the same take on it you guys have. Yeah. Yeah. All their videos were kind of dark. I mean, they were all... I remember the Enter Sandman one was a lot of strobe lights and dark imagery. And then what's so funny is that that seemed like such a sinister song at the time, but it's James Hetfield like 
doing like kind of a nursery rhyme. Yes. Or it's a kid doing a nursery rhyme. Like that's not that heavy. I don't know. It's just interesting to think back. See, that's the trick. I love that trick because not just like the Metallica version of it, but I think that that's a thing that people have used for decades with rock and roll music. What you do is you make, because you know people's parents aren't really paying attention to the lyrics, you make it sound to the parents like it's some satanic shit, but really it's basically just like Christian rock. Like like Crazy Train, you know, Ozzy Osbourne. Parents are like, this is from Satan. He's biting the head off of birds and bats and and you listen to it and it's like crazy that's how it goes millions of people living as foes like let's learn how to love and forget how to hate you know and it's it's just like the most like kindness possible i think billy eilish does that too i think when your parents are listening to it they're like oh my god she's talking about drugs and sex and then the kids are like yeah she's not she's talking about not doing drugs and not having sex but (laughs) the kids don't tell their parents that because then it's it wouldn't be cool right that's right i never thought you're totally right that's totally true it's a good trick yeah it's a great trick yeah Do you ever use it? Because it seems like with your music, a lot of times you are writing from your own perspective, but also from like characters, you know, it's, do you use that trick at all to kind of like? No, because my fans are the parents. Okay. They're all my age or older and, and they all look just exactly like me. And so I have to just be myself at all times. I try to use some other techniques though. Like one thing that sometimes it works is like the allegory thing where you'll write one song about one thing and it's really about a completely different thing. I like to try that from time to time but that's tough because then people are are like oh this is a murder ballad and i'm like no it's not it's about getting sober and right yeah but you don't want to you don't want to be in an interview going no it's not about that it's it's not what you're talking about you know because it's already out there it's about whatever they think it's about now yeah right 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 well i guess we're going to take our first commercial break but i'm having the time of my life you guys (laughs) (laughs) it's because of that cushion no and you guys. <laughs> Just so our listeners know, Vanessa spilled some water on her carpet before we started. And so I have to sit on a pillow. But I always sort of, yeah. Anyway, I won't give too many details and make this thing really boring. <laughs> We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back with Jason Isbell. Hacks is back for season three, and so is the official Hacks podcast. In each episode, Hacks creators Lucia Agnello, Paul W. Downs, and Jen Stadsky speak with cast and crew members to unpack the Emmy-winning comedy series. You'll hear Hannah Einbinder and Jean Smart speak to their on-screen dynamic, along with Hacks writer and actor Pat Regan, on how their improv experience helped them when shooting scenes and what it was like writing scripts for specific actors. You'll also hear from crew members like the costume designers on what it was like creating the world that Deborah and Ava inhabit. Hear stories from the show's writer's room, on-set antics, and more. Watch Hacks streaming exclusively on Max and listen to the official Hacks podcast on Max or wherever you get your podcasts. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. 
BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment... Oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. And we're back. Jason, I was wondering, you know, I know you grew up in Alabama. This is like, we talk about childhood a lot. Like, how do you kind of look back on your childhood? I I know that's kind of a vague question, but like, what was it like kind of growing up in that area, I guess, as an adult, having kind of seen, you know, the whole country and the world so many times through touring and that kind of stuff? You know, I had a lot of people around me who loved me. I was very lucky in that way. My parents were very young when I was born. So we were all kind of trying to figure out what to do. Any sort of crisis, we all sort of just looked at each other and went, I don't don't know. What what do you think we should do? My mom was uh, 17. My dad was 19. And we lived in a trailer in my grandmother's yard. And my uncle and his wife lived in a trailer behind her house, my grandmother's house. And we lived right next to her house. And uh, she was a lunch lady. So my earliest memories are waiting on her to come home with the desserts from the high school lunch. Oh, that is so fun. That's the first thing I remember. Those little drop cookies that are like oatmeal, boiled peanut butter cookies, you know, she would bring those home. And I remember like waiting at the door. She drove a red Ford Maverick. And I remember waiting on her to to show up with those. Oh, that is so great that she would bring. Was that? the dessert every day or was that no i think it was like once a week i think that was the but that was my favorite so that's the one i really remember and as i got older she would make them for me at at home you know and i feel like i got very lucky as far as the family that i grew up with because we were all very close out of necessity i later discovered you know it was basically like we were all living together in the same place because we needed to do that but yeah and you know instead of like child care i would go stay with my grandparents and my granddad would show me how to play musical instruments and that's how i got started making music so super super lucky in that way yeah but also it was weird it was very religious and very uh out of time as far as like my dad's family they were pentecostal so like wow. the women didn't wear makeup and they like uh, wore long skirts and not pants and you know it was kind of like a cult in a lot of ways so you know there was there were complications but i was cared for yeah you know very much i had eight living natural grandmothers when i was born because all of the women in my family had had children in their mid-teens, and we were all the first of that generation. So, you know, just me, my mom, her mom, her mom, and her mom were all alive until I was in my mid-20s. My great-great-grandmother died when I was like 23, 24 years old. Oh my gosh. Wow. That's so nice that you had so many grandparents. Like, Yeah, it was awesome. It was awesome. And did they all live near you? Pretty close. Yeah, we were all within half an hour. So I spent a lot of time with a lot of grandmamas. Yeah. Were you exposed to like MTV or any stuff like that as a kid or, or not so much? Yes. When I was with my parents, yeah, I could watch, you know, I mean, we were all 
watching the same stuff and listening right. to the same music and everything, you know. But when I was with my grandparents, it was different because my granddad was a Pentecostal preacher. So there were like two things we could watch because they were always so afraid that there was going to be like a, a F word or a boob or something. And so they would like make cassette tapes of all these old like John Ford Westerns and like the Rifleman. I remember watching the Rifleman when I was like five years old over and over and over at Chuck Connors. And one year when I was maybe like, I don't know, 10 years old or something, I convinced my grandparents to watch the Grammys. And I was so excited. It took so much work. And I was like, this is not music videos. This is not, this is a show where they give awards and people just come up and they say, thank you. And they might perform, but nobody's going to be naked. Nobody's going to be cursing. It's going to be great. And that was the year Bono said the F word on the grant. So the last, the last time I ever got to watch anything at my grandparents' house that wasn't like baseball, I got them into baseball because that was the best I could do. I was like, surely we can watch something. Yeah. We watched baseball games together. Wow. It was intense. Yeah, it was intense. They were very old school. Like they, my grandmother cooked on a wood stove and, you know, all the clothes hung up on a clothesline and they had like farm animals. And yeah, it was very old school. Well, that's interesting with your parents, though, too, because it sounds like what you're saying is like, because you were sort of closer in age, like our parents are 30 years older than us or a little more, like you could kind of be into the same stuff, sort of. Mm -hmm. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And that has found its way into just the creative person that I am now because, you know, I feel like when I'm at my most successful as a songwriter, I'm making something that adults, people my age can take their teenage kids to the show and they can all have a good time. I think that's right. a direct, direct result of me having teenage parents and us sitting around listening to the same music together. Yeah. Wow. And I watched a video the other night of you, like a live show at the 400 unit where you were talking about the influence that Pearl Jam had on you when it came to playing a Strat yeah. and out of a Marshall with Distortion. You brought up Mike McCready. I mean, were you getting into like, was grunge, was that big for you as a kid? Huge. It was huge. Yeah. Huge. Because I loved playing the guitar, but up until like 93, 94, you know, I was listening to classic rock records. I was listening to Led Zeppelin and Rolling Stones and stuff. And that was not hip. Everybody in school was listening to uh, hair metal bands. And, you know, the best we could get was Guns N' Roses. And then all of a sudden, one day, everybody was dressing like me, you know, and everybody was listening to loud ass guitar music. And it was just like, holy shit, this is the most amazing experience because I was never going to be cool unless the whole you know, Zach guy shifted to wow. this guy in the, in the flannel shirt gets to be cool now. And so that was a nice moment. What were you getting into as far as like, like I saw Soundgarden, a super unknown tour, like Tad opened, mm-hmm. like those are sent some, some like deeper cuts. Like who were kind of your grunge kind of go-to bands? I love Pearl Jam. I like Mother Love Bone. I like Soundgarden, but it was a little too much drop D Yeah, for me as a guitar. Everything was drop D, you know. Like, I didn't have a lot of access to left of the dial kind of stuff. You know, everything was mainstream where I was. So, you know, Pearl Jam was everywhere. Nirvana was everywhere. But, you know, 10 came out before in utero. People say that Nirvana killed hair metal, but really, 10 is what did it. Recently, I was at this thing. My wife's band, The High Women, were playing at Kennedy Center Honors. And I was there backing them up. And the next morning, I was in the gym working out. And Eddie Vedder walks into the gym. And it's me and the, the gospel singer, B.B. Winans, and Eddie Vedder. 
And we're the only three people in this wow. hotel gym this morning. It was pretty funny, but I was like, I got to talk to Eddie Vedder. You know, I'd never met him before. And I know McCready. I've known McCready for a while, but I'm like, I got to talk to Eddie Vedder. So he covers one of my songs in his solo set, the song that I wrote for Bradley Cooper's character in A Star is Born. Wow. And yeah, and Eddie covers that song. It's called Maybe It's Time. And so I, I had an intro. I was like, you sing my, I wrote that song from A Star is Born. And after that, we were kind of buds, you know, Eddie's super, super nice guy. And, you know, we talked and did all that. And then we met up a couple of times over the next couple of days. And at one point I was like, man, I, I have to tell you, and I know, you know, I tried not to do this, but I got to do it. It's like in the, <laughs> in the 90s, you know, when Tan came out, all of a sudden, it was cool to be who I already was. So I just really appreciate that. And he was like, and you saved money on hairspray. And I was like, yes, <laughs> yes, I did. I did. I was not the hairspray type, you know, but yeah, so that was, that was huge. All of a sudden it was cool to be a, a rocker. Now, were you already, I know that obviously the music when 10 came out and stuff that was more aligned with like what you liked and stuff, but were you already dressing that way? Were you already sort of in other ways, being grunge in that way like in an authentic way yeah oh yeah like yeah 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 i was already i was wearing like cargo pants and flannel shirts it's pretty incredible that you said like the zeitgeist and everything caught up to you i know that that's basically what you said but how would you know to get flannel shirts and stuff that's incredible Well, i was in alabama and we didn't have any money so that is you wear a flannel shirt and i had okay it's all coming together i had together to take things with me i like to eat snacks so you wear cargo pants you know and uh, and it was just a wow. it was more of the utility of it all than any sort of stylistic choice you're absolutely right that that clothing actually serves multiple purposes in a utilitarian way, yeah, but yeah. it's just, I don't even think about that with cargo pants. I'm like, <laughs> they have pockets on them because they look kind of cool. And then it's like, oh, I guess you could put something you in there. You put stuff in there. When, you need some cargo. That's what yeah. you need. It's funny too, because as someone who loves free snacks so much, if I'm at any kind of anything where they have snacks that you could potentially take home with you, I usually have like a bag or something you know, when I'm doing any kind of show or anything. So like, if there's something in my green room, I can just throw it all in the back. Never thought about cargo pants. Then you just take it right on your person. Yeah, exactly. Throw it all in there. Think about old, old men who've been wearing cargo pants forever. They're always full. The cargo pockets right, yeah, are right. always poking out. They've got stuff in them. You don't know what's in there, but there's always something, some kind of trail mix or some rolls of film or something, you know? Yeah. Jason, as a kid, like you're wearing cargo pants, like what's your kind of go-to snack? You got like a Rice Krispie treat in there or what's your kind of... Yeah, what are you putting in those cargo for pockets? For a dry snack. I'll tell you, <laughs> a for, dry a dry, snack, for a yes. dry snack. Yes. Do you remember they were a little, what were they called? They had the word snack in them somehow, but they, it was these little like club crackers and a mm -hmm. a little container, oh, yeah, a reservoir of something resembling cheese. Yes. Hand, they were yep. called handy snacks. Yes. That was yes. my favorite. Yep. And they had a little red wand. You dip the wand into the cheese and you put it on the club crackers. I loved those. And I also loved um, Trail's Best Beef and Cheese. Uh, which was like a... Well, now, would you call that a wet snack? It's a dry snack, but really more because you don't have to warm it up. Like a wet snack, there's a process and that doesn't work as well for the cargo pant. Yeah. It's less about the wetness or dryness of the snack itself and more about 
the need or lack of need for preparation. Yeah, you need something that's like a MRE. Like, let's imagine for a minute that we are <laughs> wearing cargo pants for their intended military whatever French military purpose. Utilitarian, sure. Yeah, we need a meal ready to eat. So something's got to go in there that once you open it, you're going to eat all of it. Because if not, you're going to get snack pants. And you want a barricade between the snack and the pant. You can't reseal that stuff. You can't close that back up. Right, right, right. Just put food in your pants. You have to have it prepackaged. Right. So a cookie, if there was a table of cookies and you took a cookie... Mm That's not a dry snack. No, no. A cookie is a test of class as a snack because, (laughs) you know, if you make cookies for people, they got to stand there and eat the cookies. You know, you can't just shove cookies in stuff. It's a test of class. I agree. So, but let me ask you this. So dry snack, I'm just curious. Is that a term that you made up or is that like a real term? Okay. (laughs) So, (laughs) so there's all kinds of snack. It doesn't, it's not just dry snacks and wet snacks. There's dry snacks, snacks that are test of class. (laughs) There's all kinds of snacks. You see what I mean? I know a lot of people listening want to hear about it. Like you're 59 less ball or something. I want, you know, the theme of this podcast to be handy snacks. Yes. Because I did some research on it. Ooh. And they still make them. They don't have the little red stick now. Motherfucker. What? It's How just, do you do Somebody it? choked on it, didn't they? I, it must be a liability thing, right? It just ha- in Oregon choked on the little red yep. stick and ruined it all for all of us. guy yep. for the millionth time. So it's it got a little like pouch of cheese next to the cracker. You just dip it in, but you don't, I don't know how, you can't spread it. They must have changed the consistency of the cheese because that cracker will break, brother. Oh, it'll break right off. That's the the first thing my mind went to. Their big selling point on this is that the cheesy dip is made of real cheese. They keep saying it's made of real cheese. Made of real cheese. Like anything could be made of real cheese. <laughs> well, also says it does not need refrigeration many times too, which you would think So that's that, a tough... So those are tough things to reconcile. It's the word now, real but, that's doing all the work. Yeah, real. So I feel like there were also ones where the... You didn't have a cracker. You had more of almost like a not the sticks, stick. not did, the sticks. No, I don't even want to think about that. Those suck. <laughs> but that, but did those also go with cheese? Yes, they went with cheese. But you can't get cheese on a stick. Were those yeah. also handy snacks, or was that that must have been the same? Was that the same company? And then was there a pretzel one, or am I losing my mind? The pretzel one was more of like in the deli area of Target. You know, like Super Target. Yeah, deli. yeah, it. that was. Yeah, yeah. That's just a fucking joke. There's no. Okay. okay, now what about, this is another dry snack that you might have loved that they recently brought back that went away for a while and now is back, Dunkaroos. Yeah, I remember Kind of a similar concept of a dry snack that you dip into a dip. Yeah. Yeah, I remember Dunkaroos. I don't I don't think I really ate them though. Was that a sweet thing? What was a Dunkaroo? They Very were sweet. sweet. You would dip these little, they were almost like animal cracker type of flavor. So sort of sweeter cracker into frosting. And actually, the thing that I respect about Dunkaroos, and I'm not saying they're better than Handy Snacks, I would never say that, is that I recall, and I might be wrong, with Handy Snacks sometimes, you're still eating crackers, you still got some crackers left, you're running out of cheese. Dunkaroos, the area that the frosting is in is so deep. It is such a deep well of frosting you're going to get through all of your little animal crackers or your little Dunkaroo kangaroos or whatever shape they're in, and you're still going to have 
frosting that you can just, if it were me, I would just directly just eat the frosting plain in my, I love, I've got a real sweet tooth. But that's what I respect about Dunkaroos is that they're not trying to shortchange you on the dip. I think that's a flaw, design flaw. I think you're not supposed to have any dip or any vehicle left. Leftover. And, you know, I think I remember spending, now that we mentioned it, I remember spending a lot of my energy on trying to make sure that I had the perfect amount where I would run out of cheese and cracker at the same time, you know? That's, yeah, that's such a kid thing to do, to want to really make it even. But also, I remember being way more drawn to savory snacks and sweet snacks. And now that I think about it, that was probably because of like the Mountain Dew effect on us hillbilly children. Like we were probably some mineral or something, craving salt because we had plenty of sugar. It was like, Right. We were rednecks, so we had a lot of sugar. (laughs) We had a lot of sugar. And the salty snacks appealed to me way more than the sweet ones. There's a sweet snack that I think you'd also call, now that we've defined it, it would be called a dry snack, that Jonah and I talk about quite a bit that I wonder if you were into. Were you ever into kudos bars? Yes. I remember they had like a frosting on the top, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, Those were good. Those were good. That was kind of in the middle because it was like a granola bar, but it also had chocolate. And Jonah and I always talk about how it's so insane that it really was a snack that I felt like was more marketed to kids because you'd get it packed in your lunch or whatever. But it was such a sophisticated name. Yeah. Kudos. Kudos. Like, (laughs) yeah. yeah, Congratulations on purchasing our product. (laughs) Yeah. Kudos (laughs) with like M&Ms and stuff in there. I'm like they were for kids. What, like, but what are the kudos <laughs> for? Is it like, oh, you have two dollars? Good job. Like, what are they congratulating? Yeah, you yeah. On? kudos to you. Yeah. That was the era of. Also, we talk about Boku, right? Which was just like a sophisticated juice box mm-hmm. with a made-up word. Mm-hmm. That they're almost doing the opposite thing because that has no alcohol in it, but they're <laughs> trying to market it to adults. Yeah. Boku seems almost like a more of a kid's name, although I don't know the origin of it, so I can't speak to it. But I do know. That kudos is a very kind of elegant, classy way to say congratulations. <laughs> it is. So what do you congr- There's it never is. a need to congratulate a child, first of all. <laughs> like they have not done any of that shit on their own. Yeah. It's like kudos to you for choosing such a an elegant snack. I guess. Yeah, I guess. I guess. It is an odd phrase Good job to use rising, as a <laughs> rising up the yeah. ladder of, of success. Great job uh, manipulating the caste system. <laughs> now you've got frosting on your... <laughs> <laughs> you started with uh, handy snacks and now kudos. You've made it this far. I went through an obsession with uh, chicken and a biscuit. You remember that? You remember those? No. What were those? It was what like a those? cracker. It was a cracker and it had some sort of like bouillon flavoring to it. It was called chicken in a biscuit. But it was a cracker with chicken flavor. Wow. Very salty. And what I would do is I would get the can of Easy Cheese, which was like always, oh. always my parents would, would get so angry with me because apparently nothing has ever been more expensive than the can <laughs> of Easy Cheese. That was like, I don't know. $12,000. I don't know. It, it, <laughs> like the way they acted, it was the most overpriced thing that ever existed in the world. Why not just get the regular free cheese from the government, put that on the crackers? But, you know, and you squirt the cheese out and it comes out like you can make a little logo or your name or whatever and then you eat the cracker. Yeah. I was obsessed with that. I traveled with it. Like I had the can with me at all times. And 
we're on a band trip one time and the kid in front of me was asleep and I took the easy cheese and I filled his hand up with the easy cheese and then I tickled his nose and he, you know, did this to scratch it and the easy cheese went all in his nose. He did not speak to me for the remaining four years of school. Not a word, not a single word. He was so mortified by this that he was my like he hated me so much after that it was like such a mild <laughs> i know that's why it stuck with yeah. me because like i you know i didn't really like physically assault him or anything i just put some cheese in his hand and tickled his nose yeah <laughs> did the rest yeah you know and also kids do that i mean people do that stuff where you know like sleepover parties you i've never done this and i don't know if it works but where you put someone's hand in hot water so they're like pee but like mm-hmm. people are doing way worse stuff i mean people are trying to get people to piss themselves and stuff i mean getting some a little cheese on your face feels really innocent in hindsight it seems like he overreacted i agree yeah <laughs> yeah 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 someone stuck one of those you know when you walk through a store, they have those detectors. Someone stuck one on me and I walked out of store when I was in camp once and those things are so loud Whoa. and I remember that being really scary. But I I wasn't mad at the person. I, that's I a got good over one. It. Yeah, that's a good one. Yeah, that was a pretty good... They, they got me though. You have to salute a good one. Yeah, and what you probably did is what this kid should have done, which is you went like... For a second, you're a little miffed. You're a little mad. You know, you got me in a little bit of trouble or I'm a little humiliated, but it's all in good fun. And let's go back to being at camp or wherever. And like that was clearly like $9 worth of cheese that I used for that. It's not like I was not investing. Yes, you should be so lucky to have such an expensive drink. Exactly. Like I cared about that. (laughs) I put a lot into that, you know. <laughs> wow. Your parents would have been really upset though, probably if they knew so you had mad. wasted cheese. That on a shit prank. was like gold, <laughs> that squeezy cheese. Well, that's incredible. And I think the most incredible thing I've learned is what the difference between a dry snack and a snack that's a test of class. Is that what you said? <laughs> yeah, that's what kudos is, apparently. No, oh, the yeah. Cookies, kudos the, is kind of a test. Yeah. Kudos is proof. Cookies are a t- that's a proof of class. <laughs> right. So there's dry snacks, like something you can just put in your pocket. A test of class snacks, which is something like cookies, which if you do put them in pocket, that shows you have no yeah, class. Fuck you. You're supposed to fuck eat them you. in person. Yeah. And then there's a proof of class. Which is a snack that if you eat that, like kudos, it's proof that you have class just from having or eating the snack. If I had known, I would have taken kudos in the cargo pants (laughs) to every like first meeting with a girlfriend's parents. Just (laughs) like making the worst jokes, saying the most horrible shit. And then you just fucking pull out the kudos and you're like, yeah, you saw I was a fucking sleazeball. But now, you know. Can you imagine (laughs) if you were like a kid or a teenager and you just like had a kudos bar on you all times whenever you want to impress people? You just pulled it you're straight. walking into the country club and they're like, um, sir, this is a private. And you're like, sorry, brother, I got a kudos. Yeah. yeah. Do you have your ID card? No, but I've got a kudos. I got a kudos. <laughs> All right. Theme of the episode has to be kudos. Yeah. Kudos. It's got to be kudos. Someone in the past has congratulated me on my snacks. So you have to now defer. Do you mean, by the way, I was going to not get into this, but do you mean like your snacks when you're on tour? Oh, no, no, no. That's that's a different... Oh, okay. Yeah, I'm still talking about back-in-the-day snacks. Everything's different now because I'm 40. Oh, everything's different now. Now I, now I don't know. Yeah. I pick up a snack these days and I go, is it a dry snack? Is it a test of class? You know, they're all becoming... Uh, it's all a test of class these days. <laughs> yeah. Everything. Yeah. Honestly... Yeah. 
You're right. Yeah. It's we all every We weren't so snack. worried about organic back then or okay. any of yeah. stuff. But now. Yeah. Farm raised and I go, I don't know what to do, but I feel like I'm being tested on my class. My class is being <laughs> tested and one cookie and I'm going to have a hangover. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> well, with that, we're going to go to our next commercial break, <laughs> but we'll be right back with Jason Isbell. Hacks is back for season three, and so is the official Hacks podcast. In each episode, Hacks creators Lucia and Yellow, Paul W. Downs, and Jen Stadsky speak with cast and crew members to unpack the Emmy-winning comedy series. You'll hear Hannah Einbinder and Gene Smart speak to their on-screen dynamic, along with Hacks writer and actor Pat Regan, on how their improv experience helped them when shooting scenes and what it was like writing scripts for specific actors. You'll also hear from crew members like the costume designers on what it was like creating the world that Deborah and Ava inhabit. Hear stories from the show's writer's room, on-set antics, and more. Watch Hacks streaming exclusively on Max and listen to the official Hacks podcast on Max or wherever you get your podcasts. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. All right, Jason, for this last section, we are going to play a little game with you. This game is called Change.Dork. <laughs> Change.Dork? And basically what it is is me and Vanessa go through petitions on Change.Org. As you know, it's a site intended for social justice. A lot of people put up petitions related to snacks, TV shows, <laughs> things that are maybe not exactly what Change.Org was intended for. <laughs> yes. But I kind of scour those and then we're going to read three petitions we found and then at the end you can pick which of these three you would sign. You don't have to actually sign them. Okay. Yeah. Well, but I will. But okay, you will. good. Thank you. So the first one I found is called Get Larry Lair Lalonde a Signature Fender Stratocaster He Deserves. And this is a petition that is, you know, I thought you might be interested in. I know you have your own Fender Telecaster. This one's directed towards Fender and Larry Lalonde. It has 54 signatures. And it just says, Larry Lalonde is a legendary guitarist we all know. We also know he is a huge fan of Fender. He's been shredding strats for the past 30 years and deserves to have a signature Stratocaster. His style is so unique, and his sound is amazing. Let's do this, fellow Lur fan. And yeah, Jason, what do you think? Should should Larry from Primus have a, a signature Strat? No. <laughs> <laughs> Without a doubt, no, he should not. 
Next question. Okay. No, no, I do. I will expound a little bit on that. I like Lair when he's playing a completely inappropriate guitar. Okay. I think that, yeah, Strat's too appropriate for what he's doing. I want him to be playing like a Steve Vai, Ibanez Jim, seven string with a little handle built in. And I want him to not be using any of the things on the guitar the way they were intended. So I like to see him playing a guitar that is the uncoolest possible thing he could be playing. Okay. You think the Strat's a little too on the nose. It is, yeah. It works great for him. I'm sure that's what he's playing in the studio and stuff, but I want to see him with a dumbass guitar, <laughs> you know, playing his atonal funk. Got yeah, it. Fair enough. Vanessa, do you have any thoughts on this? You might be surprised by this, but I don't have a strong take on this. I'm going to go with Jason's answer. If that's what I think. Jonah, what about you? Yeah, I don't know. I saw Primus once and the Tales from the Punchbowl tour when I was in high school. They're cool. They're a good band. I like signature guitars of like kind of these more underground type players. Like I feel like when I was growing up, it was all like the Ingve Malmsteen mm-hmm. and like Steve Vai and all these kind of guitar shredder hero guys. And I like more unorthodox players have in signature guitars. Right, so I think right, that's, totally. I like that's cool. But I also... Jay from Dinosaur Jr. has a Fender now and uh, Chrissy Hind has a cool... Like, they, they they definitely do some cool. But I'll tell you right now, if I thought Lair Lalonde should have a signature Fender Stratocaster, he would already have one. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> Fair enough. Because guess what? You passed the test of class. I passed. Okay. Kudos to me <laughs> yes. for being the decider of signature guitars. Kudos. Incredible. Vanessa, you want to read the next one? Okay, so this next one is called Bring Back Georgia Gold Chicken at KFC. This has 829 signatures and this woman started this petition to KFC and she said, the Georgia Gold flavor at KFC was a game changer. It brought joy into the world. It was taken away along with the barbecue flavor while Nashville hot stayed. Many places have Nashville hot flavor, but nobody has anything like Georgia Gold. It was a symphony for the taste buds. (laughs) I know that many people who love this flavor and the fact that it was discontinued is devastating to thousands. Please support my cause. So what do you... uh... (laughs) What is the game that it changed? You know, it seems like the game that it changed, I'm going to look at this, is that, you know, the Nashville hot flavor. Right. Because she's going, oh yeah, you're going to keep that? Okay, well, that's a flavor that every other place has too. So congratulations on making a stupid decision. Whereas it's changed the game. (laughs) The game of what? Yeah, yeah. the barbecue. The, the fast barbecue food barbecue game, Uniqueness I guess. game. You know what? Yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm with her. I'm with her because as a Nashvillian, Nashville hot chicken, I love it. It is a bad idea. This is a bad thing that you should never eat. It's great. It's fantastic. But the legend goes <laughs> that this recipe was devised as punishment for a man who, that Prince's hot chicken, he was staying out all night and catting around. And when he came home, his wife always made him chicken in the morning to eat, and she made it intentionally to harm him. And he made it that hot and he liked it so much that they wound up starting the Nashville chicken revolution from this weapon, basically. When I go to a fast food restaurant and I see Nashville hot chicken, I think that is not Nashville hot chicken because it's meant there would be lawsuits, you know? Yeah. The hottest I ever had was there used to be, do you remember Lori Morgan, the country singer? She was married to Keith Whitley at one point. She was a beautiful singer, had, had some great songs, but she had a Nashville chicken restaurant. And it, I remember it was called Lori Morgan's Hot Chicken.com because it was like the 
you know, early days of the internet situation. And so when people were calling like brick and mortar things.com, which is yes, yes, a great time. Yes. That was a great time. <laughs> great time. The, the restaurant was called that. And she was married to the singer Sammy Kershaw. And one of the side items was Sammy Kerslaw. And it was the chicken was so hot. It hurt so bad to eat it. And I think that Nashville hot chicken should hurt really badly. And so I'm for bringing back the Georgia Gold. I think that's probably a better choice for KFC. I would sign that. Okay. Jonah, what about you? Yeah, I agree with Jason. I feel like Nashville Hot Chicken, I think by the time something makes it to KFC, it probably means like it's become so popular or overdone that like it's probably not authentic to what it was, which I think is sort of what what Jason's saying. I went to a hot chicken place in New Haven called Haven and I tried to get the hot. I couldn't do it. It was like on that border legit, of being yeah. inedible. Yeah. So it was yeah. legit. Next time I went with medium. So I don't know how hot the KFC one is, but I'm guessing whenever you order something spicy at like a fast food restaurant, I feel like it's yeah. usually not actually spicy. Right. So I don't know how authentic it is. So I, I think bring back the Georgia Gold. At least it's something different. It's not trying to be something it isn't. Maybe it is too. I don't know. Have we yeah. done our due diligence on the research of the origins of Georgia Gold Chicken though? Because we might be falling into a trap, uh, some sort of uh, right. Confederate right. trap. You got to watch about Southern food because you'll be like, yeah, I love this particular kind of rice. And they're like, do you know where this came from, asshole? So you we got to watch. Well, right. and also, I just want to say, if I was given the choice between the Nashville hot flavor, which is the one that stayed, and the Georgia gold flavor, which is the one that has gone away, which this woman wants back, I just, the title of them, I'm more drawn to Georgia gold. And now I'm not a person who likes spicy, so. Well, it sounds very classy. Yeah, Yeah, gold. I guess kudos to me. Yeah. I just found, to me, oh, Georgia gold are, okay, our producer Olivia is saying Georgia gold is a honey mustard base. Ooh. Guys, uh, honey mustard, yep. absolutely rocks. It goes with I love honey mustard. I'm feeling on board. I want to hear what the next petition is before I decide, but I love honey mustard and chicken. And I guess with a name like Georgia gold, as we were saying, the test of class, consider it passed. Yeah. I also think referring to a food as a symphony is just, that's Yeah, nice. well, that's you the other my issue with this. I wish that this person had said it's a honey mustard base because then I right. think you're getting, you're at least doubling your signatures. Just saying it's a symphony for the mouth and stuff, it almost seems like you're being kind of glib. And also it's like the not mentioning the honey mustard when that's such an important part. It feels like yes. maybe right. she's been kidnapped or something. <laughs> Why would you not say honey mustard? Yeah. Right. Yeah. Everyone loves honey mustard. Yeah. Put that, that should be up front. Yeah. yeah. It feels like even if she's not kidnapped, but it's like somebody is really influencing her and saying like, put a petition on change.org to bring back these things. Yeah. And she's like, okay, I will. And then like, she's getting back at this person by saying, well, I'm going to do what you asked me to, but I'm not going to say it's honey mustard and we're not going to get that many signatures. I'm going <laughs> overboard with it so you look like yeah. an idiot. Exactly. Look, yeah, is this exactly, what you wanted, honey? Exactly. Is this what you wanted? A fucking symphony <laughs> from KFC? <laughs> She's going, success is a d- dish best served honey gold. <laughs> Jonah, do you want to... <laughs> All right, so our third petition. This one's closed, but I wanted to do it anyways. They had six supporters. It's make John Mayer and Jason Isbell write an album together. And it says, ladies and gentlemen, one of the greatest social injustices known to man has been going on for years right under our very noses. Sarcasm implied. The fact that two of the great songwriters of the decade have not joined forces to fight evil is a travesty on par with, well, nothing. That being said, John Mayer and Jason Isbell, if you can read this, you should totally write a record or at least a song or at least cover a Grateful Dead tune or six. Sincerely, the songwriting nerds of the world. I'm going to go with the... uh 
Georgia Gold. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Good answer. Can I just say, when people write these like this, I'm like, what are you doing? When people are so sarcastic like this and they're kind of like testing their stand-up act or something (laughs) on these petitions, I'm like... Just go to an open mic. Like, why are you going on change.org and writing a petition and then actually giving no, like, just kind of like making fun of it as you're saying it? I like, think it's like because they're sort of embarrassed already. They're like, I kind of want to put up this petition, but I'm embarrassed to actually put it up. So I'm going to make fun of myself as I do it. myself from it a little bit. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's the smiley face. If you're laughing, I'm laughing with you. You're not laughing at yeah, me. Yeah, I was joking the whole time. I don't want to hear Jason and John <laughs> yeah. Mayer do it. Yeah, I don't think that. That should happen or whatever. <laughs> never say that. I also yeah. don't want them um, to make out. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So your so your your vote is for Well, let's recap. We had yeah. Larry Lalonde, Fender Signature. We had the bringing back the What's this classy snack Georgia called? Georgia Gold. Gold. And we had the John Mayer Jason Isabel album collaboration. And Jason, what are you what's your pick? I gotta go with the the Georgia Gold. The real true thing about collaborating on an album with John Mayer or anybody else, a lot of people who don't make music, and it's probably the same way in a lot of creative fields, they think, I like this and I like this, so they should combine. Right. And that would probably make something you don't like. Like the reason you like them, one of the reasons is probably because they're not having to negotiate with each other. Right. So I, I never got that. Like, you should do a super group. Like, motherfucker, have you ever tried to do a super group? It's the worst. Experience is so hard. Everybody is the star, and everything is so hard, and you can't. No, anyway. So I have to say that is the true reason why I would not go for that one. But also, yeah, it's. I think this one's a no-brainer. The Georgia Gold. It's a. It's a test of class. It's proof of class if you're eating it. Yep. (laughs) You know, and it. It's also like it's. It sounds better to me than the KFC version of uh, Nashville Hot Chicken. So yeah, let's do it. Yeah. Yeah. And you have an album called Georgia Blue, which would be, you know, already. Perfect. Yeah, so, I like Georgia. Yeah. Maybe this could somehow be like woven in with some Georgia Tech athletic program to make something like I'm already, yes. the wheels yeah. are turning. Yeah. They, nice, they nice. like the color gold. There's that dome in Atlanta of the Georgia Tech campus that's gold. I think it makes all kinds of sense. Yeah. Incredible. Everything's aligning. Mm-hmm. Vanessa, what about you? Which of these petitions would you say? I would say Georgia Gold as well, especially because honey mustard and chicken, and honestly, honey mustard and anything. Honey mustard is such a classy flavor. It is. It is. It's a great flavor. It's so classy. Made of two things that really are just working man's liquids. Yeah. Totally. But when combined, become a proof of class. Yes, it's alchemy. <laughs> That's what it is. It's uh, <laughs> They're weaving gold. It's like the rumple still yeah. skin of condiments. It's the rumple still skin of, of, of yeah, condiments. So true. <laughs> now, Jonah, what about you? What would yeah, be I'm, your... Yeah, I'm on board with both of you. It's so, so funny, and this is not planned, but a couple nights ago, me and my wife made chicken tenders, and we put out a couple sauces. One of them was honey mustard. One was an even classier sauce. It was truff. Truffle-infused hot sauce. It was on sale. I've had that. You've had I've it. had that. It's pretty good. Yeah, yeah. It's I pretty good. I wouldn't say it's classier. It's pretty good. It was on but... sale. Thought I'd splurge. We had a couple, maybe three, four different sauces. And let me tell you, honey mustard came out on top. We were both like, yeah. that's the one that we had to go back and refill. So yeah, yeah I'm going, I'm all over this Georgia gold. I, this is to me, the definitely the petition I'm going to sign. I'm oh, motivated. Yeah. I'm motivated to do that. That's how I feel. Activated. That's how I, feel. I just became <laughs> radicalized. <laughs> well, Jason, thank you so much for doing this. We know Weather Vans is coming out soon. You have a 
documentary coming out soon? What are there any where can people find you? What's what's going on if people are interested in learning more? Jasonisbel.com and I have jasonisbelshotchickens.com. <laughs> yeah, I have all kinds of stuff to do, but most of it I've already done. Like the documentary we already did and I made the record already and then I was in a Martin Scorsese movie which was wild and intense. It's going to be beautiful. That's coming out in October. Then in the wow. meantime, yeah, it was nuts. What's the name of it? Killers of the Flower Moon. Wow. It's going to be one of the greatest movies of all time and I had never been in a movie before and I got cast in this role and it was like a legit role and so I was out there for three months in this Martin Scorsese movie with like Leonardo DiCaprio and Robert De Niro and all these wonderful actors and I was just saying like what do I do next like how do I do the acting and everybody was like oh it's it's cool just just say these words, you know. <laughs> it was bizarre. I don't know. I don't know why they picked. I think the accents what did it. They were saving money on the dialect coach by just having somebody that already talked like he was from Oklahoma in 1920. But it's a brilliant movie, and it comes out October the 20th in the movie. Wow, amazing! I cannot wait to see that. I think it'll be That'll really, be so really incredible. good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that was so much fun. Thank you so much to Jason for joining us. Be sure to check out his new album Weather Veins when it comes out. Out on June 9th and this film October October the 20th for Killers of the Flower Moon April the 7th yes. so the documentary on HBO is oh, yeah. happening you know you can watch that on HBO and that's about the making of my previous record reunions and also about just my whole career and my marriage and my family and all that kind of stuff wow wow Can't that's incredible Okay, well, be sure to check out all these incredible projects that Jason is doing. And if you enjoyed this podcast, please keep an eye out for next week's episode of How Did We Get Weird, where we'll discuss more stories from our childhood and cultural touchstones like dry snacks, snacks that are test of class, snacks that are proof of class, handy snacks, kudos, and kudos to all of us on a great episode. Thank (laughs) y'all. Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Right here, right now. Find your beautiful new floor at Right Rug Flooring. Choose from thousands of in-stock styles ready for next day installation and all backed by the right price guarantee. Visit rightrug.com. That's R-I-T-E-R-U-G.com today to schedule a free in-home estimate or to find a location near you. 24-month financing is available with approved credit. For 90 years, we've been right here, right now. Right Rug Flooring. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited-time 2% cashback on purchases and pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024.